This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Uh, today is Wednesday, November the 7th, and we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by healthcare specialist and all-around good guy, Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? I am doing great, Shannon. Thanks. Uh, how, are, how about yourself? How are you doing, Shannon? I am doing well. I must admit, um, I'm excited because we actually now have like actual fall weather. I'm not so excited because it has been raining cats and dogs here in Alexandria for the past two days. Yeah, I made the mistake of actually trying to mow my lawn this past weekend, <laughs> thinking that maybe I would get through. I got halfway through. I was just sinking into the ground. The <laughs> ground was so wet. Oh, so... That's listeners. Don't don't bother going out and mowing this one until it's dried out. Always so wise service. wise words from Todd Campbell. Thank you, Todd, for that. But I'm even more excited because on today's show we're doing a news roundup. Uh, Todd, I'm actually excited because finally I feel like in the month of November we've started off with a bang in healthcare. Got some big news, uh, of course. First of which was Alchemy's big day in court with the FDA last week. And also, too, finally, some M&A action that happened with Illumina. Uh, Todd, all around, I feel like it's been so quiet on healthcare. Now we're actually starting to get some interesting news. Yeah, you get that big push into the end of the year. And then uh, in January, early January, when um, they get together at the JP Morgan conference, that's that's usually when you get all sorts of exciting news that goes out. And we've got Ash coming up Ash. in December, too. Yes, Ash yeah. is one of my favorites. Always um, big surprises, big letdowns, of course, but big surprises. But yeah, this is really my favorite time of the year for more reasons than one. Yeah, so I mean, I, listeners, we're gonna have lots of great stuff over the coming coming <laughs> weeks, right? Keep tuning in. That's but yeah, for, sure. for the, this past week, Shan, we had that FDA smackdown of Alchemy's, and then yeah, the really surprising news shocked me, anyways, uh, with Illumina stepping up and buying PacBio. Yes, yeah. So let's dig into Alchemy's first. So for our listeners, on November the first, uh, Alchemy's, and that's ticker symbol A L K S. For our listeners, had the opportunity to make its case for its depression drug, ALKS 5461, we'll just call it 5461, um, in front of an FDA advisory panel of experts. Um, And 5461 has been studied, is still being studied in treatment-resistant major depressive disorder. Um, But this drug in and of itself has had quite the roller coaster history. I mean, even looking at earlier this year, Todd, in April, uh, at one point you had the FDA issuing a refuse-to-file letter, which is, it's in the grand scheme of things, a complete response letter is terrible. But when the FDA refuses to even look at your drug because they say it's not complete enough, that is like red flag of red flags. But two weeks later, all of a sudden, the FDA did an about face. Alchemies came out and said that they were able to, quote, clarify some things with the FDA. But Todd, 
what is all the fuss with this drug, 5461? Yeah, it makes you wonder whether or not they really clarified things or <laughs> if they basically just strong-armed and said, we're filing it anyways. <laughs> exactly. And the FDA said, hey, do it at your own risk. Do it at your own risk. Because overwhelmingly, and I urge everybody just to go out and, and check out the uh, the notes or the, the, the backgrounder that was put together by the FDA for the for the members of the advisory committee, just as a refresher, what ends up happening with many of these drugs that go through the FDA process of approval is that the company will make a presentation in front of a group of a panel of experts in that field and try to convince that panel of experts that their drug is both uh, efficacious, so, so it works, and that it's safe, so it doesn't harm anybody. Uh, you know, relative to, to the efficacy that it delivers. And that's what we're talking about. The FDA uh, advisory committee panel meeting met to, you know, weigh in on 5461, and they voted overwhelmingly against its approval. I think a vote for against approval was 20, 21 to 2. Yeah, 21 to 2 overall against approving it. 20 to 3 voted, said that the uh, alchemies did not provide substantial evidence of it of the drug's effectiveness, which is crazy. Only convinced three people that, you know, this FDA, <laughs> that this drug was approvable um, for efficacy. And then on safety, it squeaked by with safety barely. 13 votes in favor on safety versus 10. And I think that if you read the the backgrounder that was put together by the FDA for these committee members, um, you'd certainly feel a slant against this drug by the FDA. And it'd be interesting to, you know, I guess you just would assume that that probably factored into the committee member's decision. And there were so many interesting things. And I would encourage um, any healthcare investor, if you are investing in the biotech space, um, I would say this is just as important as reviewing SEC filings, but reviewing the advisory committee briefing documents, to your point, Todd, is crucial because oftentimes a company may issue a press release or they'll say, you know, we had very successful talks with the FDA and we're both on the same page. And really, I think what this panel demonstrated and highlighted is that that's not always the case. And so, in looking at this drug, um, it was novel, not just the drug itself, but even too from like a study design perspective uh, as well. Todd, what can you tell us just about the drug itself? Because this is not your typical antidepressant. Alchemies, I think, was thinking that because there's such a big need for new um, therapies that, that can address depression, I think they were thinking that they could push this over the finish line. There's about 15 million people, Shannon, in America who suffer from major depression. About 3 million new cases uh, of de- major depression are diagnosed per year. And, you know, sadly, or, un- you know, unfortunately, uh, 60 to 70 percent of people with depression fail to respond to the existing antidepressant therapies that are on the market. And less than 30 percent achieve remission in depression within the on the first line of therapy that they try so what ends up happening is that you know they go through these this this multiple lines of trying and and failing on different antidepressants hoping to find the right one that'll work for them and part of that is because we don't fully understand the cause of depression we we have some we can make some assumptions about biology uh, and we can make some assumptions. We know that the environment can factor into the ca- causing it as well. Most of the antidepressants, what they try to do, Shannon, is they try to 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 manipulate the amount of you know chemicals that are in your brain. So you know things like serotonin uh, to try and and improve mood. This was going to be an entirely novel approach, an entirely new approach. 
what they were doing at Alchemy's was combining together an opiate and a second uh, compound that was designed to prevent the opiate, you know, the, the from you becoming addicted to the opiate. So you had buprenorphine, which is the which is the opiate part of 5461, and semidorphine, which was the new entity that was trying to counteract the negative uh, or the risks associated with taking buprenorphine. So the idea here was, okay, we know that opiates have, you know, um, can improve mood. Is there a way that we can make them less addictive? And, you know, we look at the trial design, the way the Alchemies set up this the trials to try and win approval. Uh, and then, you know, again, reading this backgrounder, wow. Um, you know, and they actually said in the backgrounder at one point, the FDA wrote that there was, quote, a lack of alignment between the applicant and the FDA on this new drug application. A lack of alignment. I mean, it's, it's really weird when you're being told by the FDA, hey, these are the things that you should probably do if you want to come in front of us and win approval. And you're, you're just basically ignoring them and saying, no, we're going to do these things and, and we're just going to hope that you, you give us approval. Yeah, and so and that I think is what has been the big head scratcher here because you sometimes expect to see this with really small, very early stage biotechs. You don't expect to see it with a company like Alchemy's, I believe they're about six billion dollar market cap company, with approved products already on the market. So that was a bit of a head scratcher. And going back to that trial design, it's something called sequential parallel comparison design or SPCD. And the the reason that Alchemies was attempting to use this novel study design that the FDA didn't think had much merit, was really trying to get after one of the major problems that they see with uh, depression trials, and that's the placebo effect. And you see this consistently um, with drug companies that attempt to go after this depression indication, is that oftentimes um, when a patient is exposed to placebo, they have improvements and it makes it much harder to see the actual effect of the drug in the trials. So Alchemies was attempting to mitigate this with this study design, um, un, un, uh, basically they failed. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. Un- they failed. <laughs> Downright failed. But yeah, I'll- I mean, because you think about the people who will enroll in a trial, Shannon, it's going to be the ones who are most motivated to want to see an improvement. And I think that that's probably why you see the placebo effect typically being high in these trials. And historically, that's been a big problem for drug developers because, you know, one of the failure rates in in depression and related disorders are much higher than they are in, say, um, other disorders where maybe you can connect the dots a little bit more easily to treatment versus versus outcome. And, you know, they, they this, this two-stage uh, trial design approach, basically what they did is they randomized for the drug and for placebo, and then they took the non-responders, and that's from that stage one that were in the placebo group, and then randomized again into either placebo or the drug. And, you know, the FDA basically said, geez, you know, we've never really considered this for any trial. We would need to see a lot more evidence um, to be convinced that this is a good way to design it. And, and I guess, p- apparently, obviously, Alchemies did not deliver that. It wasn't the only problem, though. They also um, designed the trial to take an average of outcomes over multiple weeks. And historically, when trials are designed for this indication, they use a fixed endpoint. So, you know, 
the improvement at the six-week mark or the four-week mark or the five-week mark, whatever. Um, and in this case, Alchemies was trying to convince them, no, use an average, use an average. And the division they actually wrote, in again, in this background, the division did not prospectively agree <laughs> on this approach. Um, so they already had told Alchemies, listen, we're not, we're not really comfortable with this. And then the third problem that Alchemies had or the third decision that they made that went against, I guess, what the FDA was hoping that they would do is they used an entirely new rating scale that they crafted. Um, the Montgomery Asperg Depression Scale rating is commonly used, but it's a 10-item questionnaire. And I'm not... Okay, they cherry-picked, all right? They, <laughs> they, they created their own six-item version of it that excluded some pretty important stuff like, you know, suicidal thoughts. The actual important things, and particularly more so the things that that really have... Um, not just a long-term impact, but to your point, like suicide, concentration difficulties, reduced appetite, reduced sleep. These are all things that are important for someone who suffers from depression. Um, of course, in terms of what's next for the company, um, you've got, of course, uh, just to back up a little bit for our listeners. So the FDA Advisory Committee, they make a recommendation to the FDA whether or not to approve a drug. The FDA doesn't have to follow those recommendations. And sometimes you've even seen the FDA be a little more lenient when it comes to psychotic therapies. Um, but right now, Alchemies, they're still running, I believe, Todd, a phase 3B study. Not a lot of hope, especially given the trial results that we've already seen. But they do have a uh, approval date of January the 31st, so we could find out before then whether or not the FDA gives the green light. Um, but thankfully, it sounds like this isn't the only thing that Alchemies has in the pipeline. Right, Todd? Yeah, it's not a it's not a one trick pony. Um, you know, it already generates about two hundred and fifty million in sales per quarter. Uh, if you look at last quarter, sales were up about fourteen percent. It markets a drug, a Vivitrol, that's used to help prevent relapses for people who are addicted to alcohol or that use drugs. Sales of that drug were eighty million last quarter, up fifteen percent year over year. It also has an atypical antipsychotic drug, Aristata, that's approved and generating revenue growth for the company. Uh, and then it also collects royalties on a bunch of different anti-psychotic um, drugs that are on the market already and marketed by some of the largest companies in the world. So, I mean, this is, this is definitely a, a company that, that, that it, it generates revenue on an adjusted basis. It turns a profit, um, but this is obviously a disappointing failure because it's a multi-billion dollar marketplace. And, you know, this, that could have turned this 5461 into a, a billion dollar blockbuster for them. They do have their next um, thing that investors are going to want to keep an eye out for is results from a drug called, I think it's 38, yeah, 3831. Um, that's being evaluated in schizophrenia. And basically it is a version of Zyprexa, which is commonly used, but you know, patents expired on it. So they can manipulate it if they want. And they are. Um, they're manipulating it so that it doesn't result in weight gain, which has been a big drawback of Zyprexa. And phase three results are expected before the end of this year. If they're positive, uh, they could file for FDA approval next year. And Zyprex's peak sales were above $2 billion, So theoretically, this could, be, uh, could add nicely to its sales in the future. Absolutely. And uh, also, too, what's really interesting is Alchemies also has an early immuno-oncology asset in their pipeline now. It'll be interesting to see this traditionally CNS-focused company pivot into immuno-oncology, but certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, with that, we'll actually take a quick break just from a word for our friends. 
This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they've created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. All right, we're back, Todd. So let's uh, turn the tables here. And we've been talking about things that are novel. Things that are actually novel and are having a true impact here is a company called Illumina. Our listeners will recognize them as the gene sequencing giant. That's ticker symbol I-L-M-N. Uh, they made big news on the M&A front uh, also last week, announcing a big deal to acquire a smaller competitor. Um, I'm excited, Todd. You're finally starting to see the M&A ramp up. It has been really quiet, especially after so much hype went into 2018 with the impacts of tax reform. Oh, all the biotechs, all the uh, pharmaceutical companies would do M&A. We're finally getting some noteworthy deals here. Yeah, and this is a, to me, this was a very surprising deal. I mean, Pacific Biosciences has been around a long time. Illumina has been around a long time, uh, but they operate in slightly different parts of the gene sequencing market. And, you know, PacBio has really just kind of been an, I, want to, I don't want to say afterthought company, but it's been, it's a much, much smaller company than Illumina. Um, Illumina makes uh, gene sequencers that represent about 90% of all of the gene sequencing that's been done, done, you know, since the Human Genome Project in the 1990s. So it is absolutely 100% a Goliath. It's got over 11,000 of its gene sense sequencing machines installed globally and its sales are anticipated to eclipse three billion this year. When you put that in perspective, uh, PacBio, their sales last quarter were only 18 million. So, you know, they've got less than a hundred million dollar run rate compared to three billion dollar run rate. Um, and and they have a fraction of the, the, the penetration that Illumina has within these researchers and these drug companies and these academic institutions and such that are are doing all of this really, really fascinating next generation work um, in evaluating the genes in our body in figuring out, you know, how to apply those lessons learned to things like medications that, that could really just move the needle on outcomes. Yeah. And this was a surprising deal, but if you think about it, it kind of makes strategic sense when you look at the different tech behind the two companies. So, Illumina has really been dominant on uh, short read sequencing, and really for PacBio, it's been long reads. And if you think about genomic sequencing, it's a bit like, um, uh, to use a, a metaphor that one of our colleagues used, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Long reads allow researchers to have fewer puzzle pieces that they have to put together. And so, for Illumina, it actually makes a lot of sense to not only dominate in the short reads, but now be able to take these complex pieces of genomic sequencing data, put them together, and hopefully solve some of the more complex gene therapy issues that we've been seeing as well. Yeah, I think that, you, you know, 
whenever you research anything or do anything, a lot of times, you know, you can get the gist of it by doing, uh, spending less time on it, right? So that's, that would be kind of like short read, okay? Oh, it's functional, um, it's quick. Uh, in, in, in case of Illumina sequencing, it's a lot cheaper than long read. Now, long read is like doing a deep dive into a subject matter and finding out absolutely everything that you can possibly find out uh, about it. In the past, you really haven't needed to have that level of granularity in, um, in gene sequencing. However, as we get more and more involved in things like gene editing and really sophisticated gene therapies that are extremely targeted, it's becoming more and more uh, important to have a, as thorough a, a look at the DNA and RNA as possible to make sure that you're not having any off-target, uh, uh, you know, suffering any off-target events or anything else. And also in the design of those drugs. And I think that what Illumina is saying is, okay, we absolutely dominate the long read space. Um, I mean, the short read space. And by buying Packed Bio, we're now going to get you know a really big footprint in the long read space. And if you think about Illumina's business model, they're so heavily embedded worldwide. I mean, they're marketing teams. They've got 22 offices global. Uh, and many times, they'll have a bunch, uh, one of their clients will have a bunch of their own Illumina machines and then one or two Packed Bio machines. This is going to give them an opportunity to, to really introduce uh, Packed Bio to a, a lot more um, a lot more people right ahead of some really interesting technology that PacBio was about to launch. Next year, uh, they were planning on launching a brand new chip that could significantly increase, increase throughput for long read while also decreasing prices, making them far more competitive with short read. Yeah, so you've got them now expanding on the technology front and to trying to get ahead of the competition. And speaking of competition, I mean, this is a field that's increasingly becoming more crowded. In addition to, you know, PacBio, thankfully now they've acquired them. You've also got um, Chinese company BGI. You've got Oxford Nanopore Technologies, Roche Thermo Fisher Scientific, um, and they're already offering sequencing and molecular diagnostic products and services. Um, Amgen actually took out a uh, recent equity stake in privately held Oxford as well. Um, so they're now getting into the game. So it's interesting to see big biotech uh, jumping up to the playing field. Um, and also, too, on the focus of BGI, they plan to offer a human whole genome sample sequencing in less than 24 hours, and it'll cost less than $300 by 2020. Um, BGI can already perform next generation sequencing for close to $600. So again, I mean, Illumina, as many of our listeners will know, is really trying to continue to bring down the cost of gene sequencing, but their competitors are right on their heels. I think this makes a really smart and strategic move just to try to stay ahead of the competition. You know, in Tushin, another thing that's important is a lot of times when you're doing the long read sequencing, there are drawbacks to both short read and long read. Long read is not perfect by any, any stretch of the measure. And a lot of times when you'll do long read, you'll also do short read to fill in the gaps for where the long read um, doesn't really come up with the information you need. So, you know, the idea of being able now to have a one-stop solution where you're able to get my long read done by Illumina and my short read done may give it a competitive advantage against some of those other um, companies that you were just talking about. And that could become increasingly important because, you know, by PacBio's estimates, the market that they were targeting is going to grow from about 660 million last year 
to 2.5 billion by 2022. That's significant growth, especially when you consider that Illumina's sales are tracking about 3 billion. So this could be, you know, almost equal to where they are today, just an additional long read sales. And Todd, I'm going to use the word I'm going to use the word synergies here. <laughs> I hate that word when it comes to M&A, but this is actually one instance where I think the synergies could happen, actually happen for a change and actually make sense. But what else should investors be watching, um, especially when it comes to PacBio? Well, PacBio has had some delays in product launches in the past and some, some, you know, some stumbles, if you will. So it'd be really important to see how that progresses. You know, this deal won't close until 2019. Um, it does, you know, we still have to obviously get approval for this combination. Like I said, Illumina is the, the market share leader. Now, Mar- Illumina was asked this on their conference call, you know, do you think you can get this through regulators? Uh, from Illumina's perspective, the answer is yes, because they are a short read company and PacBio is a long read company. It'll be interesting to see if regulars agree with that assessment. Um, you're also going to want to see then once the combination is done, can they deliver on the timeline of releasing this new technology from PacBio that will indeed drive down the cost and increase the speed making um, making it more useful uh, to researchers. And you mentioned the word synergies. I I think most of the synergies are going to come probably from scale and from manufacturing and and that type of thing. Um, They're not saying at this point what the impact could be on the bottom line in 2019, but investors should know that, you know, PacBio is losing money. So, you know, integrating it will create some sort of a headwind that's going to have to be offset either by increased sales growth because of greater penetration in the future from these new products or from some cost cutting somewhere along the way. So lots to look forward to in 2019. It is really setting up to be a a crucial year, not just for biotechs, but also on the gene sequencing end as well. And that's it for this week's Industry Focus Healthcare show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Be sure to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and now our own YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash user slash The Motley Fool to check us out. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and then Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Ann Henry. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and Fool on! These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast.